Blog Talk Radio. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. Shabbat, welcome to uh, Yada Yads. Uh, Kirk and I are here uh, this evening. We're we're going to tread into some new uh, territory. This uh, past week, I completed a chapter of, uh, of uh, Volume Five of Yada Yads, the Moed um, Appointments chapter of Yada Yad, which was uh, deeply emotional. Uh, it is intellectually stimulating. It's emotionally charged. Uh, it is uh, exceedingly provocative in its uh, attacks on rabbis and rabbinic uh, Judaism. Uh, it is exceedingly uplifting uh, in its confirmation of what's in store for those who are harvested during the uh, teruah uh, reaping. Talks about the timing of uh, of it and. Uh, very clear terms, what the purpose is and how that harvest is going to go unnoticed within uh, Yisrael. Um, but uh, it is, uh, it's not just that it speaks of what we are doing here, um, in some places in a business-like manner and others very emotionally. Uh, but it also is the most aggressive we have seen Yahweh and his opposition to rabbinic Judaism and to rabbis. I would have thought that at this time, God's greatest antagonism would be focused on uh, either the socialist, secular humanists, the communists, who are uh, the primary force of Armageddon uh, in attacking Israel, the Chinese, or that he would still harbor tremendous animosity for the Muslims that have uh, been so destructive in the Magog War, uh, and for the Christians that have for the longest time abused Yahweh's people and imposed their mythology of uh, replacement theology, robbing Yahweh's son of uh, the promises his father made to him. 
but that's not the case. Uh, this is a full-blown attack by God on the very people who smugly say that they speak for God, the rabbis. You've, you've now had a chance to read it, Kirk, and I think your initial yeah. reaction was it was about as moving and as emotional as, the, as anything you've read since we began this. Uh, well, yeah, I began it 20 years ago. You are here about uh, a decade ago. Uh, yeah, about 13 or maybe even 14 years now. But I, I, I remember I was so stunned by yada yada within uh, the first reading. Um, uh, by the time I got through in two weeks, uh, I couldn't say Jesus. I couldn't say Lord. I didn't know what. I was just, my whole world was t- turned upside down. I said, fine. And Terry was yeah. the same. And, and, and we were just going up. Every time I'd read a chapter, I would have these, wow, emotional swings. And uh, mostly positive, but some of them rather sad. But yeah. uh, this was like that, and I, I haven't really. Um, this was just like that. I just went, wow! I just kept going, wow. Yeah. I don't know how to explain. It, it was uh, it was one of the interesting things that I came to recognize as was writing this chapter, is that uh, the thing that I had thought would be a burden, which is to go back. You know, we've written, oh goodness, fifteen thousand pages of material. And I thought that going back and rewriting it, doing all new translations, all new commentary, would be a burden, and it would slow the process of learning because we were learning so much as we were going through the Psalms and writing coming home to take off two years and to go back to the beginning, start all over again. Yeah, that's That was a lot. And what I found mm-hmm. out is that uh, instead of it being a... Uh, uh, slowing down the learning process that actually accelerated it. Uh, the things that I had missed the first time through were just so uh, uh, extraordinary that uh, I didn't think that it uh, that anything could be uh, 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 this uh, well this enlightening, yeah. uh, this empowering. Yeah. So we're really in for a treat. Uh, uh, the chapter is called Teruah Trumpets. Uh, it's the second uh, chapter on uh, Teruah Trumpets. Uh, I've uh, uh, given it the byline of the final blast. Uh, there is yet another, and this follows the previous uh, chapter, uh, uh, to where we went into, I think we left that chapter, uh, speaking about what was going to happen in Yashaya. 17. So there is another chapter, uh, even more phenomenal, um, even more affirming about the true harvest. And we learned that Yahweh told us that the true harvest would occur uh, immediately after uh, Jerusalem, uh, Israel was sent at the waste, uh, where the world imposes the final solution, which uh, they call the two-state solution, uh, and that uh, Israel is thinned at its midsection where 70% of the people live, making it indefensible, and before uh, a torrent of Muslims uh, invade. And, and so Yahweh sandwiched this Jeruah harvest into that period of time. And uh, when we study the 50s, fifth and 56th, even the 57th chapter of uh, Yashaya, we find that the prophet is even more definitive regarding this timing. 
He sets the stage, as Yashia always does, placing the harvest of souls into the context of its time. And I think that's essential because this is the only Mikre where we do not know um, a date search for its fulfillment. We have, in our previous uh, observations, deduced it down to one of four possibilities. It's either going to occur on Trua in 2026, 2027, 2028, or 2029. I think by the time we get to 2030, the time of Yakim's troubles are too intense uh, for Mm -hmm. the presentation that Yahweh has given. Moreover, I don't think that Elia and the other witness uh, are going to be in their positions prior to this harvest, but I think after it. And we have Elia returning on Passover in 2030. So I think that the full extreme of time that this could possibly take place would be on Trua in 2029. Uh, That would be, I think, well after, at least two to three years after, the final solution is imposed on Israel with the thinning of the country at its waist by forfeiting the terrorist enclave of Gaza. But uh, uh, I am a fan, and this is uh, something unique about what we do. Uh, Well, the conditions we will experience post-Teruah will be vastly superior to what we're experiencing now. My preference is to be here as long as is absolutely possible. You know, given the option, I, I'd stay to the bitter end because mm-hmm. there's so much at stake. And, and if for every additional soul that is awakened and returns to Yah, the celebration over eternity is enriched. So uh, it's... It's such a small sacrifice for us to endure this uh, for the benefit of a soul through eternity. So I'm personally, I'm hoping for 2029, and I'm hoping that the uh, the two witnesses, uh, we know Elia is going to be spectacular, uh, and uh, I'm hoping that the uh, the other uh, witness uh, can uh, can add to what he has to say to make a difference. Sure will. Yeah, yes, yeah also reveals the societal conditions which will persist immediately before, during, and after Teruah is fulfilled. Then he explains why rabbis will be unfazed by the sudden disappearance of thousands of covenant members. Of particular interest, Yashayah confirms that this gleaning of souls precedes the time of Jacob's troubles, making it a preemptive rescue mission. Uh, we want to be careful here that while Revelation talks about a seven-year tribulation, uh, the length of time uh, that the time of Yaakov troubles uh, plays out in is not specified in the Torah prophets. So we do know that uh, some of the events that will transpire, we know when Yahweh will return. Uh, so uh, we can make some, some, I think, educated decisions, but to pretend that that the time of Jacob's troubles is a full seven years and begins in the 
in uh, 2026, I think is a bit presumptive. So uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm also of the conclusion that there really is two phases. There's the uh, sort of the birth pang phase, if you will, where things are growing worse, like they are now with the, the world's reaction to, uh, to COVID-19, uh, with uh, the world's reaction to Israel defending itself uh, against uh, Hamas rockets. Uh, and the rise of, of anti-Semitism around the world, the destruction of, uh, of the world's economies and currencies and freedoms. And then, but the, the, the difference as we move into the second half of, of if you will, of the time of Yaakov Trouble is the worst part of it. At that point, it becomes exceedingly intense. Uh, also interesting uh, is that the conclusion of Yashia 57, we find a compelling presentation on how we should be observing and celebrating a Shabbaton, uh, which uh, I have come to view the observation of a Shabbat uh, very different uh, than not only rabbinic Judaism, but very mm-hmm. different than what I think is a jerk uh we're all going to uh, waltz to the same tune translations. I do not uh-huh. think that uh, the Shabbat is a time to do nothing. And the more uh-huh. that I translate passages around it, where Yahweh uses very active verbs, that a Shabbaton and a Shabbat is a, uh, a time to engage and uh, be very active in the relationship, to celebrate the relationship. Um, so I don't think Yahweh took a nap on the seventh day after creating the universe. I think he uh, he celebrated what he had uh, what he had conceived, uh, enjoying it. Uh, and I think that is the purpose of the Shabbat is to celebrate and enjoy the relationship. By taking the the, the time to study this prophetic portrayal in context, we will come to appreciate why God is opposed to religion and the consequence such doctrines have on our children. The prophets inspired commentary in Yeshaya, Isaiah 55, 56, and 57 provides a scathing rebuke of Judaism, especially during the time of the uh, true harvest being fulfilled. God's every word is germane to the purpose of prophets, which is to share Yahweh's reconciling message with his people um, to counteract, really, the influence of the rabbis. Mm-hmm. If you were to, uh, to distill these chapters, uh, Yashaya uh, 55, 56, and 57, it's Yahweh the rabbi. Uh, it's the one thing that uh, Jews probably uh, will find the the most difficult to process. Mm-hmm. That rather than rabbis speaking for God, they are the most um, outspoken, anti, yeah, yeah, anti forces against God. So let's begin. This is uh, beginning Yeshua fifty-five. This is an announcement and a warning. Oi, to everyone who thirsts, choose to walk towards the water. Then let the one who wants to enjoy the benefits of the relationship do so without cost. 
the path to walk. This is Wa Asher Ain, La Hu Kesep. The path to walk to get the most out of life does not require anyone to pay anything because money is not allowed. That's the beginning of it. And, and Kirk, one of the things you're going to find is, is that, in this chapter is that rabbis buy a huge market are the highest paid religious mm-hmm. clerics in the world by a huge market. That's Three, four, yeah. five times other religious clerics. They have a fee for everything. There are rabbis worth many hundreds of millions of dollars. It says you wow. have been given the opportunity to go about acquiring food, which is nourishing. Come hither and obtain wine without any money and milk without remuneration or compensation. Uh, unless you really understand the greedy nature of rabbis, their money-grubbing attitude. They have the Israeli government pay them. Their education is paid by the Israeli government. Uh, they're paid not to work. Uh, they negotiated all manner of exceedingly greedy things under Netanyahu. You know, well, I spoke favorably of Netanyahu because I thought that he understood the geopolitical consequence of Islam, was willing to stand up against it. The only way that Netanyahu became prime minister was by bribing the religious parties. He was not very religious himself, to his credit, but his coalition in the parliamentary system required the ultra-Orthodox Hasidic Jews. And the only way that that the Hasidic Jews support anyone, because they don't support Israel, they don't fight for Israel, they don't support Israel, is that you bribe them. And so with this new government that uh, did not include them and is, uh, is largely elected because the majority of Israelis are not religious and they're disgusted, by the rabbis. Uh, they're just having a conniption fit. I mean, they're, they're screaming at the top of their lungs to everybody. Uh, and the fact of the matter is that this new government realizes the rabbis are a net drain, a net liability on the country. And so by starting this out by saying, what I'm offering is free and it's nurturing. And by contrast, what the rabbis are offering, they charge a, a ridiculous fee for and you're getting nothing but poison in return. That's what this is. And if you understood rabbinic Judaism, you'd know this to be true. But God does understand it, and he is disgusted by it. Come hither, obtain wine without any money, and milk without remuneration or compensation. You know, the rabbis have this high fee if you've spilled some milk in your kitchen because... Well, you know, it's a, uh, a you're, you're breaking Jewish religious code if uh, milk is mixed with anything else in your kitchen uh, because of the one line which they have extrapolated to just ridiculously about uh, don't uh, boil a, a kid in his uh, mother's milk. Well, they've taken that to an extreme and made a religion out of it, and with their religion, a way to charge people ridiculous fees for coming into the house, not cleaning it. But blessing it and say, okay, you're okay now. You can use your kitchen. <laughs> so, 
I beg Israel. I beg you. Stop enriching the rabbis. You have been paying to rob them of your soul. All while Yahweh continues to freely offer eternal life. His words are nourishing and satisfying. And they pay dividends. Wine, bread, and milk represent Pesach, Mas, and Bakurim, providing the means to prolong life, being perfected, and our adoption. They are all offered without remuneration. And there is nothing more valuable. Of course, water is the symbol of the Spirit, who makes it all possible. So why do you spend continually paying out money for that which is not actually bread, such that your labor is not satisfying and produces nothing of lasting value? Listen diligently to me and be nourished by that which is good, useful, beneficial, even exquisitely pleasurable and extravagantly superb. Hanag, delight or divinely delightful and abundantly enjoyable. This was written in the Hitpael Imperfect Jusuf, which means that it is a consistent act based upon one's own initiative, free of all outside interference, religious pressure, or political compulsion. So just relax and enjoy the pleasurable pampering that God is here to provide. With these being the most desirable and beneficial options for your soul. It's one of the things that I've I've just had a tough time wrapping my puny little brain around. God is offering something that is extraordinarily valuable. Uh, He's willing to prolong our lives eternally. He is willing to enable to perfect us. He is willing to adopt us into his family so that we inherit all that he has. He's willing to enrich us and to empower us, to enlighten us. And every one of his promises, he has paid what was required to deliver in a justifiable way. And yet, by a ratio of about a million to one, humankind chooses to pay religious charlatans for things that have no value, that are just lies. Why do people, by a ratio of a million to one, pay to be lied to, to the detriment of their soul, as opposed to freely accept what is the most valuable gift in the universe. But I just don't get it. Why are there so few of us? Is religion that good at being bad? No. It's it's most unsatisfying. Uh, Even at the best, at the best, it's still terribly unsatisfying. Leaves you with lots and lots of questions. Uh, But um, until the Torah was available really translated, quite frankly, till you came along and started saying, what about this, what about this, what about this? 
Um, I I was one of those type of people that felt the same thing. Where do I go to? Surely they know. Surely somebody yeah. in there knows. And and and, and but you know it, me, it, they, it 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 shouldn't have come to that. I mean, I we went. If, in fact, it, these translations are a catalyst to knowing, and God seems to indicate they are, mm-hmm. why oh, did yeah. it take 2,400 years? Why did God have to stoop to using a goyim? Goy. Why? Uh, if we could do it, and we did, think about how much easier it would have been for someone skilled in these subjects. Yeah. Well, why is it that it it turned out to be this way? Anyway, rabbis who commandeered Yahweh's redemptive calendar and replaced Teruah with Rosh Hashanah in honor of the Babylonian roots of their religion, they're just flat-out leeches. They're parasites on God's people. Stop consuming the toxins they are distributing and turn only to the only eternally nurturing source. While the rabbis and their way has been unfulfilling and indeed miserable, costing beyond measure, Yahweh is offering something exquisitely pleasurable and delightfully superb. God's not a curmudgeon. He is he is not trying to get to you know say hey you either obey me or I'm going to whack you and uh, and you better stay in line. No, it's totally liberating. It's totally enlightening. It's totally enriching. And to be part of His family is just flat out fun. Well, then the other question comes up: What is it about freedom people don't like? Uh, most people most uh, must not like them. And what's the basis of religion? It means to bind. And it's to bind. It's to enslave. Yeah. Really, John, to bind. So, what do you have to lose apart from your impoverishing, archaic religion to give Yahweh's approach a try? You are aware that it is either insane or, shall we say, stupid to continue on the same path, doing the same things that have brought the people such adject misery. Now, there's an insight. That's there is really forward. good. Yeah. It, it, God's got some bad advice, especially recognizing oh, yeah. that the path to Yahweh and to eternal life is through the Moed Mikra making this known so that it is heard around the world, it happens to be the stated purpose of Teruah. Teruah is unique. Uh, Teruah is us. Yahweh did everything to fulfill Pesach. Our only requirement is to attempt. He did everything to fulfill Matzah. Our only requirement is to capitalize Yahweh has done everything to enable our adoption on Bakotam. All we have mm-hmm. to do is accept. And it is the set-apart spirit of Yahweh 
who is enriching and empowering and enlightening us on Shabuah. Yeah. Teruah is the first time that we get to do something. Teruah is about capitalizing on all of that so that we do what we're doing now. And by the way, you know, I have the last two programs. I have become exceedingly vocal, blunt, uh, in your face, uh, uncompromising. And guess what Yahweh says about Teruah? Don't spare your throat. Engage full blast. Give them both barrels. Tell them the truth. Be bold. Be blunt. Being subtle hasn't worked these past 2,400 years. But God says, listen, you became so daggone irritating, I withdrew. And then when I withdrew, you thought you could play God. And so that obviously didn't work. So God is saying, now give both barrels. So that's what we're doing. And if you don't like it, I'll complain to you. He says, incline your ear. That means listen carefully and walk to me. Choose to actually listen so that your soul may continue to exist. Then I will cut you into establishing for you the everlasting covenant, which was affirmed and verified with unremitting love and unfailing devotion for doubt. Uh, Kirk, um, Mm -hmm. you've been part of this now for uh, 13 years. I've been doing it now for uh, almost 21 this single statement, Yahshua, Yah, Yahweh delivers, Isaiah 55, 3, three. Uh-huh. is a summation of what I've come to know, what I've come to love, what I've come to share. This is uh, it, folks. When I translated this verse, I was uh, uh, just motionless for a better part of, well, for me, motionless for me. I'm, I'm kind of a, uh, an eager beaver. Uh, uh, motionless for me is probably 30 seconds of uh, sitting there with my jaw on the, uh, the desktop. That's a long time for me. Uh-huh. Um, I've, I was blown away by this. It's, it's, yeah. I'd say of the things that I have encountered along the way, this sounds like a really simple statement, but of the things I've encountered along the way, this is probably the second most impactful the most impactful happens to be later in this uh, chapter. Why do you say so? Because how many times have I said that Yahweh has established a means to know him, to engage in a relationship with him, to be reconciled so that we can live forever with him, and that everything that he has done is based on a very simple approach. And it all begins with, listen to me. And so God says, incline your ear. That is the hippal and perfect. Take note of your own free will. And walk to me. Then move in my direction of your own volition, all imperative. 
Choose to actually listen so that your soul may continue to exist. Corollary. You don't listen to me. You choose to listen to the rabbis. You choose to listen to the priests. You choose to listen to the pastor. You choose to listen to the emblem. You choose to listen to your political party leaders, to your professor, to your community, to your culture, and you're going to die. Now, that's not such a bad thing. It's the natural end of life. But if you want your soul to survive your mortality, there's only one way for that to occur. Listen to Yahweh. Choose to actually listen, washama, hear this, call imperative, so that your soul may continue to exist. Wahaya nefesh atem. Call imperfect Joseph. Joseph is third person volition. Your soul would, is presented in third person. You are second person. Your soul is third person. This should be the desire of your soul to continue to exist. If it mm-hmm. is, real simple uh, means to accomplish that. Listen to Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not just that your soul will continue to exist. This is the thing about religion that always drives me crazy. Because uh, you want to be saved? Saved to what? Okay, continue to exist. That's a really good thing. Where? Under what conditions? If you don't know where or what conditions, you may continue to exist in Sheol, which is a black hole, which is an eternal prism. Not a very good option. Your soul continuing to exist is only good if it's existing within the covenant. So what does God says? Choose to actually listen so that your soul may continue to exist. Then I will cut you into establishing for you the everlasting covenant. That's great. Because Mm -hmm. if you're eternally living in the covenant, that's God's family. You're his sons and daughters. Mm -hmm. This is the ultimate opportunity. As part of the covenant, God's been really clear. There's five benefits. Eternal life. Uh, perfection, spiritual perfection, being adopted, being enriched, being empowered, living forever in his family, and his home. I will cut you into establishing for you the everlasting covenant. Now, the last part of this is why I've devoted a year and I'll have another year as part of a wonderful team of people rewriting these books. I should have known, but I did not know that the Son of God is David. That the Messiah, the King of Kings, is David. The shepherd of the people is David. The chosen one is David. Mm-hmm. The it's provable. individual who's coming back to protect mm-hmm. his people, to lead his people, is dope. Mm-hmm. And, and so it wasn't until 
I began to write Coming Home and I was confronted by things like Yashaya 9, where I began to translate what was supposed to be the prophecy of prophecies proclaiming the uh, arrival of Jesus. Come to find out, it doesn't speak of him at all. It speaks entirely of God. And then I, I went to the prophecy I, I, well, I guess it was the first prophecy I ever translated to Samuel uh, 7. And it doesn't speak of Jesus either, but of Dode. And then I found out that, you know, there isn't a single place in the entirety of the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms, not one where Yosha is mentioned by name. Not one. And Dode is mentioned by name well over a thousand times. The only, there's only one individual who's mentioned more often than the Dode. It's not Moshe. That's, no, that's his father. Yeah, it's Yahweh. Yahweh's one, Dode's two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, but once you understand that, that Dode is the exemplar of the covenant, you want to understand the covenant? Look at Dode. Was Dode perfect? No. No, hardly. Was Dode devoted to his father? Yes. Absolutely. Is, was was uh, uh, Dode brilliant? Absolutely. Did Dode sing Yahweh's praises? You betcha. Uh, Dode was involved in the things that Yahweh loved. And so Yahweh chose Dode. He called Dode his son. He said, I am his father. He is my firstborn. He's going to get the lion's share of the inheritance. And so once we, we saw that, as we were translating the early chapters of Yasayah, and then as we got into the Psalms and we started translating the first 20 Bismore, and including Bismore like the 89th, and they're all focused on Yahweh's love for this man, at some point you've got to say, wait a minute. He's the central figure in human history. It's no wonder mm-hmm. that there are 6,000 years of human history from the garden to the garden, and he is absolutely in the dead center of it. Right? Yeah. And so this is the guy, and what we came to realize is that Yahweh wants us to pay attention to Dode because he is the perfect example of what Yahweh was trying to accomplish with the rest of us. And so, what does this say? I will cut you into establishing for you the everlasting covenant, which was affirmed and verified with unremitting love and unfailing devotion for Dode. I'm going to take just one quick moment. I'll be right back. Certainly. Leah? I have a confession to make, but my wife's not handy here. But before we started the show, I had a air handler that began leaking in my master bedroom ceiling, and I'm trying to pull together the team to 
to resolve it while we're doing the uh, the show. So I apologize for the uh, this distraction. And here we are in such a powerful place. I will yes, cut you, you into oh, okay. no establishing for you the everlasting covenant, which was was affirmed and verified among, confirmed and enduring, made dependable and steadfast. Chesed, with unremitting love and unfailing devotion, genuine affection, and steadfast favoritism. Loyalty, born out of a sense of natural support and mutual support for Dota, the beloved. David. Your decision regarding the words you are listening to will determine the fate of your soul. Whether it is extinguished as a flickering flame blown out by the religious or whether it grows in to become nearly as brilliant as is done. If we were to convince Yahweh's Torah and covenant into a single thought, it would be Dode. He is the Son of God. He is the Chosen One and the Firstborn the shepherd, and the king of his people. He is a prophet and a psalmist. He is the branch from which all things grow. The anointed one as the Masayak, the one immersed in the spirit as an eternal witness. Dod is the word of God. He is the example we're asked to follow. May I interject one quick thing? Sure. Just in, in regards to that, you know, he when you buffeted that with the 89th Psalm, which you uh, um, which you translated a long time ago, you know, he he basically says that uh, if all these things that I'm promising, all the ones that Jesus listed, are not mm-hmm. true, then I'm a liar. So he put it out right. on the line. He said, "This is it." Right. Yeah, he's put himself yeah. on the line. Yeah, he's so a proud uh, father and and yeah, um, starting with Paul robbed Dode of every promise so they could artificially create a a new god. They turned the Passover lamb into the Christian god, and they mm-hmm. did so by raping Dode of, of every benefit Yahweh has ascribed. That is the base but the Passover, yeah. of replacing the Passover lamb that does. Uh-huh. Now I was just going to say the Passover lamb that doesn't die is not a Passover lamb. Correct. <laughs> you Correct. You can't raise him up. No. So. Let it be known. Yahweh is offering to do for us what he did for Dode. Yahweh is offering to do for us what he did for him. All we have to do is listen. Behold, pay attention, because surely I bestowed him, Nathan, I offered him as a gift, and I enabled him to be an enduring witness. Ed, as a source of everlasting testimony from Ud, someone who bears witness to that which is of 
affirming and who will return to restore. To the people of every ethnicity and culture. Just one second. I'm going to take a quick break. Okay. Uh, Justin, um, who is our air conditioning guy, just called. You could call him back and let him know what you can do. Dode is an extraordinary individual. So here is God exam- uh, um, amplifying what he has just said, um, explaining what we have come to know. Behold, I bestowed him, Dode, David, as an enduring witness, as a source of everlasting testimony, which is affirming, and who will return to restore to the people of every ethnicity and culture, Leon, to the nations of the world, no matter how antiquated or misled, to a strange people. This appears to be a compound of law and low, <laughs> which would be not and uh, family. Um, not family, yeah. Not family. An authorized leader publicly promoting the truth. Naged, a worthy guide to that which is valuable and true. A legitimate and proper ruler from Nagad. One who accurately reports the evidence, declaring it openly and conspicuously, proclaiming and publishing to inform and make known. And as an instructor, Washawa, as someone who has been appointed and assigned to provide clear and authorized directions. A person who speaks loudly, verbally shouting over the noisy crowds. For an archaic and misled world, Leon. Yashaya, Isaiah 55, 4. Uh, Kirk, and for all those who are listening, I've been doing this a long time. Mm -hmm. And I am certain that there's a lot of things that I have said over this long period of time that you say, well, it's it's an assumption that he's made. And okay, you know, he's maybe entitled to his assumption. He's been doing this a long time and studied a lot. and, and, And maybe there's some validity to his assumption, but let's take it with a grain of salt. This is the core of what I've been saying. This goes right to the heart of the message of yada yada. God is affirming precisely what we have been communicating. And keep in mind, this is radically different than what anyone else is saying. This is the opposite of what's being said in rabbinic Judaism. It's the opposite of what's being said in Christianity. It's the opposite of what's being said in Islam. It's the opposite of what's being communicated by socialist secular humanists. I don't think there is another person alive today or anyone over the past 2,400 years who is saying what this affirms, except what we are doing here. The recognition that who's the only person that's been named? Dote, David. Behold, Mm -hmm. God is saying, I bestowed him as a gift. 
as an enduring and restoring witness. So, I would like you to tell me, please, what Yosha, the Christian Jesus, wrote. Could you please read the sum total of what he has written to us as a witness? Oh, there's nothing written. No. As a matter of fact, if you were to go to court and you were to say, well, these people say that he said this, you'd be laughed out of that courtroom. Yeah. Not a single one of them was there, and it's all hearsay. Uh-huh. With Dode, what do we have? We have more personally written material than any other person who spoke for God. We have, yes, a hundred Mizmor in Hebrew, 25 Mashal Proverbs in Hebrew, and we have them retained in the Dead Sea Scrolls at a quantity that exceeds anything else in the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms. There are more of Dode's Psalms in the Qumran collection than anything else, including even Yashaya, the prophet we're reading. Mm-hmm. Dode didn't speak of Yashaya, but Yashaya sure as heck spoke of Dode. Yes. It is Dode's witness that we should be paying attention to. It's Dode in the 119th Psalm that told us how to observe the Torah. It's Dode that explained the relationship between a shepherd and the sheep. It's Dode that explained the creation of the world. It's Dode that explained precisely how Yahweh fulfilled Pesach, Mastan, Bekorim. Dode is the living exemplar of the covenant. He is the ultimate witness. Well, if you believe God. I bestowed him as an enduring witness. Yeah. Yeshua is my man. I, what do I love Yeshua? God never says I bestowed him as an enduring witness. Hmm. To the people of every ethnicity and culture, there's only one of the prophets that specifically says I'm, I'm writing for uh, every ethnicity. That was Yermia. An authorized leader publicly promoting the truth. Yermia was a was a young, devoted prophet. Yashia was an extraordinary prophet. In fact, his personality permeates his prophecies. Shamuel was a, a Shafat judge who became a prophet. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got prophets like Zachariah and Malachi. With Dode, he's more than just a prophet. He's an enduring witness who was also a leader, publicly promoting the truth. (laughs) Yahweh knows that his sheep want to be led, but he wants a shepherd to lead his sheep. And he's saying that Dode is that guy. He is the leader. He's the worthy guy, and as an instructor. Now, that's how I look at Dode. I mean, Dode looked at Yahweh as his teacher, and then he became a teacher to the rest of us. 
the student became a teacher. We became mm-hmm. students of what Yahweh shared through Dode. And now we, in turn, are teachers to those willing to listen to what Yahweh and Dode had to say. Dode had to say, yeah. So Dode is a leader. He's an instructor. He is a witness. And according to this, he is also the embodiment of God's love in the covenant. For who? A misled world. I know no one wants to hear this, but sometimes it has to be said. I told you so. There have been a number of epiphany moments in my life. Foremost among them occurred several years ago. I was making a transition from observations and Yashaya Isaiah to coming home in the Mismore Psalms. It was then that I came to realize Dode's relevance. So I've shared just a moment ago, Kirk, he is the central figure in Yahweh's mm-hmm. story. He's the most brilliant and articulate man who ever lived. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah, the returning King of Kings. And through his words, he is our Savior. Now this means that Jews were not condemned by God for failing to recognize Jesus Christ as their Messiah or as the Son of God because he was neither. The fate of Jews, at least up to this moment, is predicated on their failure to acknowledge Yahweh and to accept the Passover lamb. And it means that Jews ought not be looking for the arrival of an unknown Messiah to rescue them, but instead eagerly anticipating those returns. Of all of the prophecies which I had been deceived into believing were about Yosha, every one of them were actually written to draw our attention to the life and lyrics of Doug. The moment I understood this, I realized I was translating and writing what Yahweh revealed through this man, delineating what can be known about their relationship and his quest to call Yisrael back home. God is calling his people back to one of their own. How are y'all like? Yeah, in, in, in realizing the role that Dode plays in Yahweh's story. Mm -hmm. I also, for the first time, came to realize the nature of the toxic root of Christianity. I say it a lot, and I, I don't know if it resonates with our listeners and readers or not, but the toxic root of Christianity is replacement theology. Every prophecy and promise Yahweh made to his son and to his people were misappropriated, literally stolen from Dode and from Yisrael to legitimize the bogus claims of this contradictory faith. When I became aware that Shaul Paul was the plague of death, 
I recognized that I had to correct my commentary to convey the truth. I would have to position Dode in the role Yahweh intended. Therefore, after completing the second volume of Coming Home, I rewrote the five volumes of Observations, and then the four volumes of Questioning Paul, and that led to this, the rewriting of Yada Yahweh, where we're now on the fifth volume. This is our reward, an unequivocal affirmation of the role Dode plays in Yahweh's plans, his testimony in our lives. In this regard, there are several reoccurring themes that run throughout Yashaya. Foremost among them is this, painting the proper prophetic portrait of Dode because he is the fulcrum of God's unfolding plan of redemption. And second is what follows, which is the recognition of a nameless boy deployed by Yahweh to call his people home. Now, I'm going to tell you, Kirk, did you go from those two statements, which are so much in body what we have come to know, to this next one? And you're sitting here, and you're doing these translations, and you're saying, oh, my God. Yeah. Why? How? Why? Wow. Wow, wow. Yeah. God says, God says, I want want to emphasize this here and now. While asking you to pay attention, I want to emphasize this here and now while asking you to pay attention him. There is a lone goy, a Gentile, someone who is not a Yisraelite or a Yehudi. Goy was written absolute, common, masculine, singular. There is one specific and particular individual who is not ethnically or religiously Jewish. That is singular in one Q-I-S-A. That's the great Isaiah scroll. Isaiah scroll. Whom you consistently fail to recognize or acknowledge. Lo yada. Whom you do not know or understand. Whom you are ignoring out of disrespect. Whom you can actually read calling out to you. Wow. (laughs) continue to offer you an invitation which you can recite summoning you by making announcements to welcome you calling out to you to participate in a meeting in addition this lone boy who is not acknowledged or respected by you and who possesses information you fail to comprehend, lo yata, shall be and now has been hurriedly brought before you. He is intense in his continual focus on you, not wasting any time, genuinely working as quickly as possible to pursue you. And he does. On behalf of Yahweh. 
Not on his own behalf. On behalf of Yahweh, Lot Ma'an, for the express purpose of approaching Yahweh. Your God, to approach the set-apart one of Israel. For indeed, he is reaffirming your status. He is lifting you up by shaking the tree and knocking off the fruit so that you can be gleaned. He's making contact to dislodge you, preparing you for the harvest by recognizing and respecting your value. Wow. That's uh, tough to translate because, well, quite frankly, it's personal. It's not personal at all in the sense that it's public. Yahweh inspired his prophet, Yahshua, deliverances from Yah, to write this down 2,700 years ago. Yeah, that's freaking. He is the best known of all of Yahweh's prophets. We have the entire great Isaiah scroll and many, many other copies. It's public information. It's been out there for 2,700 years. And this lone Gentile has now written, well, by the time we're finished the editing process, it'll be 25 books, all to enlighten God's people and call them home. And done more than 10,000 radio programs. This this is very public, and yet very personal. I want to emphasize this here and now while asking you to pay attention, Yahweh says. There is a lone Gentile whom you consistently fail to recognize or acknowledge, Lo Yada, whom you can actually read, calling out to you. In addition, this lone boy who is not acknowledged or respected by you and who possesses information you fail to comprehend, Lo Yada, shall be and now has been hurriedly brought before you. He's intense in his continual focus on you, not wasting any time, genuinely working as fast and quickly as possible to pursue you on behalf of Yahweh, your God, to approach the set-apart one of Yisrael. For indeed, he is reaffirming your status, lifting you up by shaking the tree, and knocking off the fruit so that you can be gleaned. Yahshua Yahweh saves Isaiah 55, 5, the triple nickels. Hmm. I work for Yahweh. I serve his people, not myself. I have never sought recognition or a following, preferring to remain anonymous. And that's why I wrote, under the nom de plume, of yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But my preference is not relevant here because Yahweh has chosen to disclose our relationship. He did so because he wants his people to listen to him and to come home. Well, let's be clear. Dode is the leader. Dode is the Messiah. 
and he is the prophet providing God's eternal witness. I am just one of his students pointing in his direction. I am a witness to the witness, a voice calling out in the wilderness of lost souls. And yet with so little time, with so much at stake, and a shortage of devoted students, God chose to work hurriedly and intensely through this one. Should you want to know his qualifications, should that matter to you more than the fact he is presenting Yahweh's testimony? Yahshua conveyed his credentials in the 11th chapter of his prophetic witness. You'll find a review of it in chapter 7 of volume 4 called The Spirit of Understanding and Observations. You can go online to yadayah.com, to yadayahwa.com. Click on Volume 4, The Spirit of Understanding and Observations in that chapter, and it'll take you right to it. Yashaya is an interesting character in this regard. He wants us to appreciate the value of Dode and our relationship with Yahweh. And Yashaya realizes that while Yahweh revealed just enormous swaths of prophetic insights to him and through him, that not a single person came to know Yahweh and entered heaven during his lifetime or for a very, very long time thereafter. And it's apparent in reading Yahshua with the amount of time he spends talking about this lone boy. He calls it Choder, a, a sucker. A, a sucker is a really positive thing when you understand the nature of an olive tree. It's a, it's a new shoot that when the old stump has decayed and, and rotted away, it's a new shoot that comes out of that same rootstock, a straight vertical, uh, climbing to the light. Uh, he has a lot to say because... I think that when Yashaya felt remorse, thought they, thinking that he had failed because mm-hmm. there was no one at the door of heaven after all of his proclamations yeah. when Yahweh opened it up, I think this is Yahweh's mm-hmm. retort saying, hey, Yashaya, hey, I'm going to show you baby. that it is your words, your this yeah. very prophecies that I'm revealing through you that are ultimately going to prevail and reconcile our relationship with Yisrael and Yehuda. Yeah. Okay, so so I I didn't pick the, the most impressive tool to do that, but just think for a moment, Yasaya, it's the power of of what we're sharing together that's making this happen. The power of the love we feel and we manifest for Yisrael that causes this to happen. And so Yashaya was moved to speak about the role we would play in conveying his message to his people and ultimately to having many, many thousands of people, tens of thousands, standing outside of heaven's door 
And so when God opens it and Yasaya gets to see them walk inside, he's going to have an entirely different response, a well-deserved response. So he wrote uh, this so that you might seek Daresh, inquire about and consult with, learn all of the information that has been made available regarding especially that which was not previously understood, caring enough to develop a relationship with Yahweh while he may still be found, while he may be experienced and encountered. Choose to call upon him while he is near. Yahweh is returning for his people. He will be here in 2033. And the God who withdrew from his people because he got disgusted by their religiosity. He is drawing near again. He is speaking to his people. He can be found. He can be known. But if you are Yisrael, if you're a Goyim, if you're a Yehudim, capitalize on this opportunity. It isn't going to last very long. Seek Yahweh while he may be found and encountered. Choose to call upon him while he is near. Yashaya 55.6 You have very little time left to learn. And yet there's a lot to know about Yahweh, especially if you want to engage in a relationship with him. Now as I share these words in the summer of 2021, much as you're you know, year 6,000 Yah is now, what, 12 years away? Mm-hmm. Please do not pretend that you have that much time. Because with each passing day, the truth will become ever more scarce. And accepting it, more difficult. Come to know Yahweh you can. As religions develop over time and become more pervasive as they become more fully established and integrated within a culture. It becomes increasingly difficult to find Yahweh through the maze of societal clutter. Further, when belief systems are unchecked and allowed to permeate people's minds, they preclude rational thinking and cause people to react adversely to evidence which is contrary to their faith, no matter how convincing that is the message I was communicating here. So why wait? You have everything to gain and nothing to lose. God continues, those in violation of the standard should choose to reject their own way. And the evil and deceitful individual, his musings and thoughts, his opinions and rationale. Let him choose of his own volition to return to Yahweh so that he may have compassion on him and love him, re-engaging in a relationship with him. And as for our God, he will actually forgive many. You know, when we were, Yahweh was talking about, uh, if, if you listen to me, uh, what's in store for you? It's not only the continued existence of your store, but I'm going to cut you into the 
same covenant relationship that I established with with Joe David. Mm-hmm. God wow. is offering us all of that. He's yeah. willing to anoint us. He's willing to immerse us in his spirit. He is wanting to have us become shepherds. He is wanting to call us sons and daughters. He is wanting to inspire us with prophetic utterances. He wants to do all of these things. He wants to, to make us royalty. He wants to do everything for us that he has done for Dode. And that's why Dode is such an important example. Those in violation of the standard, reject your way. Reject the musings and thoughts of your opinions and rationale. Instead, choose to return to Yahweh. And if you do, he is going to have compassion on you. He's going to love you. He'll re-engage with, in a relationship with you. <laughs> and he will forgive you. This is Teruah's message. It is our mission. Come yeah. out of Babylon and return to Yahweh. Without exception, everyone who makes this decision will find God wanting to embrace them, to love them, to shower them with affection. He wants to forgive us. In the religious debate between man and God regarding whom should be trusted, Yahweh has once again been unequivocal. Man's ways are not God's way. This is Yashaya 55.8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways, declares Yahweh. What this means, for it to be written that way, is that the vast preponderance of people have to have thoughts and religious ways that are counter to God's. Otherwise, he couldn't make that statement. If there have to be so few people whose thoughts are consistent with Yahweh's and whose ways are in concert with his and harmony with his, that God could write a statement that says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. That means that the overwhelming preponderance of people, the religious, the political, the conspiratorial, all those popular ways are in opposition to Yahweh's way. You know, when I was sharing how Yahweh was stating what we have come to know, mm-hmm. that, that is essentially affirming this idea. When you do this long enough, when you immerse yourself in the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms, when you value his words as the ultimate treasures, after a while you begin to think like God. That's not my to, to say that our minds are or on no. God's level. It means sure. that we just begin to think like him. We're on the same we page. We look at things the same way. We're on the same page. Yeah. And we have the same perspective. And so there are so few people who immerse themselves in Yahweh's testimony to the point that their thoughts are Yahweh's thoughts. 
And that's what we strive to do. It's with every translation, with every word of commentary, with every spoken word on this program, our goal is to shape our perspective and thoughts and conclusions so that they are consistent with Yahweh's. And the more we do, the happier we are, the more fulfilled our lives become, Mm -hmm. the more right we become. Now, genuinely, uh, humans are political and religious, patriotic and spiritual. God is not. Humankind has opinions. God knows. (laughs) Most people are wrong. God is right. Very good. Yeah, you're like that. God, yeah, we have opinions and God knows. God knows. (laughs) Very good. One of the many conclusions, Kirk, that we have uh, deduced from the evidence Yahweh has provided is that the universe is beyond the four dimensions of space-time that we currently understand. We have surmised that it is actually six-dimensional with the repulsive nature of dark energy and the attractive uh, uh, properties of dark matter uh, best explained in terms of their dimensionality. We have then come to perceive Yahweh as existing in the seventh dimension. And if we are correct, then it helps explain this next statement. For the spiritual realm of the heavens are dimensions beyond the material realm. Likewise, so my ways are well in advance of your ways, and my reasoning distant from, separate and distinct from, your inclinations and opinions. I, I think that one of the both profound insights that we came to appreciate and and also the place where our thinking was the most restricted and limited is coming to appreciate dimensionality. We know the universe is four dimensions. We have a firm grasp on, we have been schooled in the fourth dimension, which is space-time. The time somehow intersects the three dimensions that we perceive in such a way that it is the fourth dimension. Uh, We do not understand, and I think that we lack the capacity to understand, the actual nature of dark energy and dark matter. I see them as dimensions, just as uh, as time. And I've come to appreciate how a seven-dimensional being can create a six-dimensional universe with just words. And come to understand that Yahweh's empowering and enriching and enlightening us have all to do with the nature of light and its uh, existence within the framework of, of time and these existence of these six and seven dimensions with the light <coughs> representing Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also come to realize that if we had the capacity to actually engage fully, if we were immersed in the fourth dimension, uh, we would be turned to goo. The sights, the sounds, the choices, uh, the stimuli would be, would be so overwhelming. Just imagine being Mickey or Minnie Mouse, being in Flatland, which is two dimensions, and then all of a sudden having the infinite increase that uh, is made possible by the third dimension. 
he wouldn't know what do I do? My whole life, all I've known is right or left, back or forward, and all of a sudden now there's up and down. And he's just don't know how to maneuver in it, to process it, to deal with it. Uh, the same thing would be true for us. Oh, God yeah, has to do so. an enormous amount of upgrading of our capacity to think, our capacity to observe, our, our uh, understanding of, uh, of what is and isn't prudent for us to exist in four dimensions. It's an infinite increase in capabilities and, and opportunity from where we are now. And then the fifth dimension is an infinite degree greater than that. The sixth, an infinite degree greater than that. And the seventh, an infinite degree greater than that. We don't have the capacity to understand what all of that means. That's what God is saying here. Mm -hmm. The spiritual realm of the heavens are dimensions beyond the material realm. Likewise, my ways are well in advance of uh, your ways and my reasoning distant from your inclinations and opinions. And I would certainly hope so, considering the utter insanity of the uh, patriot and conspiracy uh, theorists, even of the progressive mindset, especially Mm -hmm. the cancel culture that is permeating um, academia, critical race theory, multiculturalism, Gender proliferation, you can now get a passport that says you're non-binary. <laughs> the, the insanity of socialism, of communism, of political correctness. It is as if the least sane are running the asylum and the least intelligent the schools. The metaphors we uh, surmised were indicative of Yahweh pouring out his word so that we, uh, so that I guess, it, not I guess, that so that these specific words would, would take root and grow. Because I think his words are seeds, and life takes root and it grows, it is nourished, it is watered, it, um, it does, strives yeah. for the sun, for the light. I think a lot of it's affirmed by this next declaration. Indeed, this is, i tell you, uh, when I, well, I'm just going to read it because uh, as um, I began to translate this and realized the hidden potential that was lurking in these words that had gone millennia without being disclosed, uh, it was, uh, this was a, an extraordinary moment as well. Indeed, just as the rain, the Geshem, descends, coming down along with the snow from the sky. And they do not return there without watering and refreshing the earth, such that it conceives life and it buds. It sprouts and grows. Give seeds to one who sows. And there is bread to eat. So shall my words be. For the benefit of the relationship, that which which goes out of my mouth shall not return to me without result. result, Without purpose. Without having achieved what was expected. Without exception, it will accomplish the relational benefits which I desire. 
and it will succeed for the benefit of the relationship for which I extended it. Yahweh speaks of three Zeroah. Zeroah is based on Zera, which is seed. God's constantly talking about sowing seeds, um, planting gardens, uh, and of descendants, which he references through Zera seeds. And over time, I've come to see that seed isn't just that tiny little essence of the plant that you put in the ground, knowing that if you've removed the weeds and you've turned the soil and made it receptive and you water it and nurture it, that a plant will emerge and grow, rooted in the ground, seeking the light, and that that plant can bear fruit. I've come to see Zera seed is that mm-hmm. which we sow. The ultimate seeds are Yahweh's words. And Yahweh's words can take root inside of us and grow. They can blossom and bear fruit. Dode sowed the seeds of truth. He sowed the seeds from which the children of Israel would grow. This is an affirmation of that. He says, mm-hmm. if God sows the seeds and he waters them, then there is bread to eat. So shall my word be. He is telling us that, yes, indeed, his words are seeds. A seed is, is the essence of something that can grow large and be very productive, become empowered and strong. His words are seeds. Without exception, those seeds will accomplish the relational benefits Yahweh desired. All we have to do is give them that opportunity. Well, look how it's changed this group of people that you know so much, know, yes. know so well. And how many others yeah, it's going to, going to yeah. change. Yeah. Now, Yahweh spoke life into existence documenting his oration in the three-dimensional language of DNA. He then nurtures and restores the living with his words. They convey what God wants, which is to benefit the relationship he sought to establish with humankind. While the religious have done their utmost to change the counterfeits and conceal Yahweh's word, His purpose, which is to form a loving, familiar relationship with men and women who choose to know him and who elect to trust and rely upon him, will not be thwarted. Our reunion will be joyous. Our relationship will be reconciled. Our lives guided. And our continence will be serene. God writes... Go ahead. No, I'm just saying that makes it more uh, heinous to change his words than, I mean, that is just light years past our normal yes. thinking. This just uh, this destroyed all the seed. I mean, yes, just, they, just yeah, it's one thing to, uh, to let the, words choke, the weeds choke them out. It's another thing to neglect them. It's another thing to cast your own set of seeds. 
Mm-hmm. But the worst thing the but religious could have Yahweh's. done. Yes, wow. the corrupted Yahweh seeds. God says, for in love, you will come out, and with the relationship reconciled, you'll be guided and led to the mountains and to the hilltops, becoming worry-free, peaceful, and serene as you appear singing. All of the trees will clap their hands, bending in celebratory manner. Instead of the thorn bush, a cypress tree, a noble fir shall ascend, and in place of the stinging nettle, the myrtle shall rise. And it will exist as a place to approach Yahweh, an everlasting sign and symbol, which will never be uprooted or cut down. One of the things that we have come to realize is that Yahweh is going to return the earth to the exist to the 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 nature of what was experienced in the Garden of Eden. Garden of Eden is Gan Eden. Eden means joy. For in joy you will come out. Gan Eden. For in joy you will come out, and with the relationship reconciled, you'll be guided and led to the mountains and hilltops, worry-free, peaceful, and serene, as you appear, singing. All of the trees of the field will clap their hands, bending in celebratory manner. One of the great thrills of being out in nature is, is seeing the, the leaves and the branches and hearing them uh, and the, uh, and the wind, mm-hmm. clapping, yeah. if you will, instead of the thorn bush, uh, which we could equate to religion. There will be a cypress tree, a noble fir, shall ascend, and in place of that stinging nettle, a flowering myrtle shall rise. This is uh, not urban renewal, but uh, natural renewal. All of this, which is the return to Eden, will exist as a place to draw near and approach Yahweh. It is all an everlasting sign and symbol, an oath, which shall never be uprooted and cut down. God is promising us a thousand years of the Garden of Eden. As I'm sure there have been some that have longed to know what it was like to live there. We've studied it and can't wait to return there. God is giving us that opportunity. He's going to return us to the Gan Eden. And when we arrive, Yahweh will be there to greet us. And all of the irritating and toxic plants which troubled Adam upon his exile, they're going to be replaced with trees Yahweh finds shapely and pleasing. Now, this has been among the most enlightening prophecies we have read thus far, and it's certainly worth repeating. I'm going to repeat where we have been, and then we'll call it a uh-huh. an evening. Call it a night. And we'll pick mm-hmm. this up next week because um, it's big stuff. This it's, it's only gets better. Giving. Yeah, it only yeah. gets better from uh, here. It, you know, we're we're approximately. Um, 
15% of the way through this uh, material. So I don't think anyone is listening to this program unless you love Yahweh, you cherish his word. And so for those of us in that camp, this is our garden of Eden. This began, and I'm just going to read right through it because it's, uh, sometimes sure. it's, it's just nice to get a, a, a full dose of what Yahweh says. This is an announcement and a warning to everyone who thirsts. Choose to walk towards the water, towards the source of cleansing and life. Then let the one who wants to enjoy the benefits of the relationship do so without cost. Because the path to walk to get the most enjoyment out of life does not require anyone to pay anything. You have been given the opportunity to go about acquiring food, that which is nourishing, and choose to procure and obtain what is needed. Come hither to obtain wine without any money and milk without remuneration or compensation. So please explain. Why do you spend constantly paying out money for that which is not actually bread, such that your labor is not satisfying and produces nothing of lasting value? Listen diligently to me and be nourished by that which is good, by that which is useful and beneficial, productive and valuable even exquisitely pleasurable and extravagantly superb, divinely delightful and abundantly enjoyable. And with these being the most desirable and beneficial options for your soul. Incline your ear, doing so of your own volition, and choose to walk to me. Choose to actually listen so that your soul may continue to exist. Then I will cut you into establishing for you the everlasting covenant, which was affirmed and verified with unremitting love and an unfailing devotion for doubt. Behold, because surely I bestowed and offered him as an eternal witness to the people of every ethnicity and culture, as an authorized leader publicly promoting the truth, as an instructor for an archaic and misled world. I want to emphasize this here and now, asking you to pay attention. There is a lone boy, someone who is neither a Yisraelite nor Yehudi, whom you consistently fail to recognize and acknowledge that you can actually read, consistently calling you out, literally summoning you by continuing to make pronouncements to welcome you to an upcoming meeting. In addition, this lone boy who is not understood or respected by you and who possesses information you fail to comprehend shall be and now has been hurriedly brought before you And he is intense in his continual focus upon you, not wasting any time, genuinely working as quickly as possible to pursue you. 
doing so on behalf of Yahweh, your God, approaching the set-apart one of Yisrael. For indeed, he is reaffirming your status, lifting you up by shaking the tree to knock off the fruit so that you can be gleaned, preparing you for the harvest by recognizing and respecting your value. Seek, learning the information which has been made available about Yahweh, while he may be found and encountered. Choose to call upon him while he is near. Those in violation of the standard, the unethical and immoral, the religious and political, should choose to reject their own way, along with their evil and deceitful individuals who beliefs and musings and opinions are untrue. Let him choose of his own volition to return to Yahweh so that he may have compassion on him and love him, re-engaging in a relationship with him. And as for your God, he will actually forgive many. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways, prophetically declares Yahweh. For the spiritual realm is dimensions beyond the comprehension of the material realm. Likewise, my ways are well in advance of your ways, and my reasoning distant from your inclinations and opinions. Just as the rain descends, coming down along with the snow from the sky, they do not return there without watering and refreshing the earth, such that it conceives life. It buds, sprouts, and grows. When I give seeds to the one who sows, there is bread to eat. So shall my word be. For the benefit of the relationship, that which goes out of my mouth shall not return to me without result, delivering what was expected. Without exception, it will accomplish the relational benefits which I desire for those I find pleasing. And I will succeed for the benefit of the relationship which I have extended. Indeed, with a positive attitude, you will be brought out and withdrawn. And with the relationship reconciled, you will be guided and led to the mountains and to the hilltops, becoming worry-free, peaceful, and serene, as you appear singing. All of the trees of the field shall clap their hands, bending in a celebratory manner. Instead of the thorn bush, a cypress tree and noble fir shall ascend. And in place of the stinging nettle, a flowering myrtle shall rise. This will be a place to approach Yahweh, an everlasting sign and symbol, which shall never be uprooted or cut down. Yahshua, Yahweh frees, liberates, and saves. Isaiah 55, 1 through 13. Thank you for working so hard. This is well, my new heart. This is my new. This is my new heart. Medicine. I love this section. Just, this wow. is, and, I'm blown and away. As, I don't think 
Kirk, in all the time we've done this, I've been as moved as I was um, by uh, Isaiah 55 until I translated Isaiah 56. And in Yeshua 56, uh, and I don't know what's going to happen as we approach next week, but I can tell you that there were sections of it that I read to my wife three or four times. And mm-hmm. even the third and fourth time, I was so choked up, tears flowing from my eyes, I, I just couldn't continue to read it. No, I get it. it I really get it. it. It is so uplifting and emotionally charged. That Yahweh talks at one time about, um, upon his return, how during the Day of Reconciliations, his people mourn for him as, as one would mourn for a firstborn child. You realize this is the most extraordinary day in Yahweh's long existence. He's an eternal being. And yet the single most joyous experience for him is the Yom Kippurim uh, reconciliation with his people. Mm-hmm. And yet what he's saying is, well, we're going to be crying like babies. Yeah. There, there is a joy so great that you, you can't even think about it you can't even talk about it without welling up in tears and um, um, that's what's going to happen is uh, at least to me as we read about what happens on this day because Yahweh blew me away I did um, well I am expecting Yahweh to share with us his great joy at this, the highlight of his eternal existence. That's not what he said. What he says it said is that guy over there that, uh, yeah, he, he, um, he helped bring this about. This day is as much about him as it is about all of us. It's it's like the father that you know, he's got a big family and and the, the the dunderhead of the family it just didn't amount to much of anything and he went off and did his own thing and and, and then one day the the dunderhead stumbles back home and and he uh, he says you know uh, Dad I got a lot to learn. And he begins to learn from the father. He begins to be about the father's business, and he falls in love with his father. And and then he realizes that, well, there's not a lot of time left. And I squandered a lot of of my life. uh, So what I'm learning now is so profound and so uplifting. That dunderhead of a child says, "I, I need to be sharing this so that more people can experience what we're experiencing. This reunion Mm -hmm. should be so much more than me. It should be all of us. And as the Dunderhead kid made a mess, you know, of his uh, life, all of a sudden is his doing the father's business in such a way that dad's now proud. (laughs) Hey, that's my kid. (laughs) Look at him go. Yeah. And then when the the reunion actually happens exactly as Yahweh wanted it to, he looks over there and says, 
That's my kid. Yeah. This day is special wow. for him, too. I'm kidding. And it's exactly as a loving father would be. You're, you're looking at your kid and said, oh, I'm proud of him. Okay, so it was yeah. a dunderhead. That doesn't matter. He's still God's kid. And um, that's essentially what he says. And it's the, one of the most revealing moments to tell us what Yahweh is really like. And yeah, it's one of the most humbling yes. moments uh, as, uh, as well. You know, from that point, the dunderhead kid will just become like everybody else in the family. But uh, God's going to celebrate this too. And the thing that's interesting, Kirk, as we, we get into this, and you've read uh-huh. past that uh, section, is that mm-hmm. uh, that kid, as he grew up, um, gave birth to lots of other rather remarkable individuals who are also engaged and being recognized by Yahweh at this time. It goes from one to many as God looks out upon this covenant family, which has become so devoted to sharing what we have come to know. And it is a tribute to his nature, and it is a uh, just a an extraordinary moment where you read it and say, oh, my goodness, let's, let's yeah, redouble yeah. our efforts. Uh, and yeah, and then you exactly realize, it. you know, yeah. that, wait a minute, you're being thanked for something. <laughs> you got a billion times more out of it than you put into it. Thanks for what? That's right. you know, <laughs> thanks for growing. Thanks for benefiting. Thanks for being enlightening. Yeah. Uh, you know, what? <laughs> yeah, thanks for being enriched. Thanks Very for being point, empowered. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, but uh, that is the Thanks nature for having of all the questions uh, you have. Yeah, that's God. the nature of our heavenly yeah. Father. He, he wants yeah. to work through His children, and and the greatest thrill for God is seeing His children prevail. And so that's what we'll, yeah, uh, we'll to find. To uh, absolutely. Yeah. Here, here. Yes, and <laughs> thrilled when and thrilled when we do. Um, so, yeah, I just say it's hard to pride ourselves away from what we were covering because it was it was so profound and it set this up so beautifully. Uh, and this is actually uh, two and a half, almost three chapters removed from uh, from that material, and we will return to it. But as uh, I was sharing this with the family, because you just can't keep this kind of stuff no, secret. headline news. Yeah, extra, they're extra. sharing this with the family. Everybody within the family had the same response as we Yes, it did. Everyone else talked about yeah. this. We need to be sharing this. And so that's why we jumped ahead. And, uh, and yeah, yeah. Well, for those who want to uh, catch up on everything we've uh, done as a team over the last um, year, you go to yadayah.com, yadayahwa.com. Uh, and you'll find uh, archives of every radio program. You'll find a bookshelf filled with, I think it's already 16 volumes. You click on any of them, read them. You can actually go directly to the 
Amazon site that presents the printed versions of these books. I probably have five or six sets sitting um, surrounding me because uh, I view them as inspirational. A uh, sense of satisfaction knowing that we have worked diligently to convey Yahweh's message. And it's there for the open-minded who are willing to incline their ear. So I say thank you, Kirk. Thank you to yes, one sir. and all. We we love to be with you. We'll look forward to returning to this marvelous material this time next week. And I know that that um, uh, Mike, uh, uh, because he has a copy, presented some of this in the uh, the chat room. Uh, Mike, uh, I guess we're uh, we're a full chapter away from it, but Mike presented some insights uh, the other day. It just shows how uh, we're all growing. Uh, uh, this is just a little story, but it just shows the the remarkable nature of um, of what Yahweh will do to enlighten us. Um, I, God was talking uh, about the, uh, the fact that that uh, religious Jews have gotten all misguided in a bunch of things. And one of the things he talked about is their uh, proclivity to uh, to worship trees. And and I said, you know. I think what he's talking about here is the Jewish holiday, that uh, rabbinic holiday, uh, that is the 15th of, uh, of um, uh, the month, uh, one of the four New Year's days in rabbinic Judaism. And I didn't pay any attention to him. It's just the 15th day, and it's, and it's, it's called the New Year of the Trees. Uh, and so I talked a little bit about what it, what it was, and I thought that was, uh, that was the answer that uh, Yahweh was uh, driving at. And uh, Mike says, you know, if you look at the two words that the rabbinic types have used to describe the 15th day, it's not the normal approach. Normal approach to writing the 15th day is 10 plus 7. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When uh, 10 is uh, in Hebrew is Yod, Yahweh's hand. And uh, uh, and in yeah, and, yeah. It's, and the seven is the hey. So you have Yah, and if you were to write it, uh, write 15 the normal way, 10 and 7. So the rabbis wrote it as 9 and 6, just mm-hmm. to avoid recognizing Yahweh. <laughs> Sometimes sir, there's some rabbi in there that thought they were so clever. And here it was, uh, Mike uh, found them and... Uh, Called them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a beautiful thing that what you can do when you uh, when you just take the time to to think about what uh, Yahweh had uh, shared. Even even the month uh, you know shows that these Jews were what in fact the, the month was uh, the Hebrew word for uh, scepter. And so uh, what they uh, had written was that they were now in control of the scepter. They, they were the empowered. They had become the gods, the authorized rulers. And they had taken the scepter away from Yah. And Mike caught him. Yep. Red pod. Uh, so uh, part of it, uh, and there's another just to give you a kudo, uh, that I'm, uh-huh. I'm trans, I'm, I'm trying to explain what these words uh, represent, and um, 
and what we can learn from them. And what I recognize is, is there are some words that are neutral and there are some words that are negative and some words that are decidedly positive. And it is whether or not um, the letters are leaning and looking and moving in the direction of a letter that's in Yahweh's name. Are they mm-hmm. going in the opposite direction? And we'll yeah. encounter some of those along the way. And that was something you found. I don't know what caused you to do it, but you came to the I conclusion, and it's so valid uh, that, that, you know, there are the majority of the letters in the Hebrew alphabet lean from right to left. The language mm-hmm. is written right to left. And that when those letters lean or look away from a letter in Yahweh's name, it's a bad thing. And when they mm-hmm. uh, move towards and look towards a letter in Yahweh's name, then the word has a positive connotation. <laughs> really cool. Yeah, yeah look, at, we'll look at Goy. Yeah, Goy, yeah. Start walking out, walking in the wrong away direction. From walk, walk yeah, away walking from away from the hand of Yah. That's exactly right. You know, uh, you know it's, it has to pain Yahweh to have written that there was a lone Goy that uh, did this. Because he's constantly telling his people, you know, don't, don't, don't go in the way of Goy's. Goy is not something we should ascribe to. But as Goy, we can ascribe to being part of Yisrael, to being what it means to be Yahudah, beloved of Yah. So we, mm-hmm. as Goy, can be part of the family when we cease being Goy and become Yisrael and, and Yahudah. Yes. Yeah. The problem with Yisrael and Yahudah is they've become Goy. They're acting more right. like the Goy, and there's some Goy that Yahweh has chosen that are acting more like the original intent of Yisrael. Mm-hmm. And so uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that yeah. is the intent of, of all of this. Well, I've taken a long time just to close the program. Uh, I look forward to being with <laughs> okay. you next week. Thank you uh, so much. I appreciate your enthusiasm for the new uh, material. It is, it is true, as Yahweh knows, that a, uh, a joy shared is magnified. And Absolutely. that's what we're accomplishing with these words. May God okay, bless buddy. you all. Happy Shabbat. Shabbat Shabbat. Yes. Night.